Anyone looking for good news? Uh, while much of the news that we read or watch tends to be bad news, with increased crime, more political fighting, Israeli and Palestinian bombings, and more instances of racism, there is some good news. Uh, just this week we heard that the CDC is beginning to lessen mass requirements, and the Warriors beat two of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, beyond that, I imagine many of you have heard of Jonathan Bauer, who jumped from a bridge into a Maryland Bay to rescue a toddler who was thrown from her vehicle into the water. This man was willing to risk his life to save the little girl. Authorities, among many others, have called him a hero. A great story in what seems to be a constant wave of not-so-good news. Uh, 2,000 years ago, there wasn't too much good news in the Middle East either. Uh, there were corrupt leaders and government, including a Roman Empire emperor who claimed to be the Son of God. And on top of that, the Jewish people were being cheated by other Jewish people. None of that would seem to be good news, and in many ways, it'd be very easy for people from this time period to feel far from God. And yet, contrary to their feelings, God was closer than they thought. For the next few weeks, I want to tell you about the true good news story that should have died in Nero's Rome 2,000 years ago, but it didn't. This story not only brings us good news today, but it also reminds us that God is not far from us either. This story is the story of Jesus as narrated by Simon Peter, one of Jesus' fam most famous disciples. Peter's story is, is a bit of an embarrassing story for Peter, though. This story sort of over and over again does not make Peter look good, and yet he told this story for about 30 years. Peter's story started with following Jesus for about three years, and then for 30 years, Peter traveled around the world telling the story, his story. The reason that Peter told his story and documented his greatest embarrassment and failures was because his story was part of the story of Jesus of Nazareth. And when Peter documents his story, He's probably in his 50s. He's traveled around, uh, in and out of trouble, dodging being arrested for telling his story, and then suffering because of his faith in Jesus. And now Peter is imprisoned in Nero's Rome, and he's awaiting a trial, and he knows he will probably never leave the city alive. So he decides to tell his story, not to an audience, but to his traveling companion, John Mark. We know him as Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Peter was a fisherman, though, who eventually became the leader of the church after Jesus. But Peter likely was an uneducated man who did not have any formal education. And if he was like most of the people at that time, then he probably could not read or write. And so Mark traveled along with Peter for some time, hearing many of these stories, uh, many times probably. And now in Rome, Mark records Peter's story. And it comes to us as the Gospel of Mark. Now this Gospel is a bit chaotic in some places, and it has a, a different order than some of the other Gospel accounts. And Peter also gives us some excruciating details at times, because probably he's a fisherman. Uh, and he's sort of just quickly downloading his experience while Mark is trying to take it in as quickly as he can. And there's a meme online about Mark compared to the other gospel accounts of Jesus' life, where the others sort of say, Before I begin, here's a genealogy of Jesus. Uh, before I begin, let me tell you the backstory that led up to Jesus. Before I begin, let me tell you why it's important to know that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, if you know the Disney animated movie Mulan, uh, Mark kind of comes along like Shang and says, Let's get down to business. And so Mark starts right away with Jesus. Mark seems to begin with Peter's conclusion about Jesus. You can follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, you can head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the More menu option in the bottom right corner, select Events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Uh, as we read this text together, though, please don't hear me just sort of reading the Bible. Uh, Mark wasn't writing the Bible. Mark was documenting an eyewitness account and experience with Jesus. So this is like two men sitting together, likely in a prison cell, and this is someone who spent about three years with Jesus 
and then spent 30 more years telling others about Jesus, even though his life was at risk almost every single day. And actually, that was the very reason he was in prison to begin with. And now there might be some times where we sort of roll our modern eyes at what Peter tells us. Like, do you expect me to believe that actually happened? To which Peter might say, well, I'm not so sure I would believe it either, but this wasn't something that I read about or was told about. This was something I saw with my own eyes. And Peter would say, these stories are the reason that I'm in chains. This is also the reason that I don't have any fear. This is the reason I can say that God is near not only me, but also near you as well. This is why I've spent my life retelling these stories to others. And Peter begins with this conclusion in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. To which some people might stop Peter and ask, like, with so much bad news right now, what is so good about Jesus? With the way that things are going for us right now, I'm not sure that God is really near us. And other people might ask Peter, like, do you actually believe that your rabbi was the Son of God, the Savior? And Peter is sure enough that he's actually willing and would eventually give his life for his belief that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. Even though what is happening to Peter would seem to be, to most of us, like God is far away from us. Today we're starting a brand new series called You're Not Far, where we'll read some of the Gospel of Mark. If you don't know, gospel is an English word from a Greek and a Latin word that just means good news. And while it doesn't seem like there is so much good news lately, Mark records Peter's account of being with Jesus. And he starts this gospel by saying this in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And yet at the same time, there was very little good news for Peter's readers or for Peter himself, that Rome had arrested Peter and he would be executed not too long after Mark writes down Peter's account of the life of Jesus. Precisely because Peter kept telling others about this good news of Jesus. And even with all that, Peter still declares this is good news. That Peter was confident that this was good news because, as he would say in another prior writing, that I was there and I saw this with my own eyes in 1 Peter chapter 2. When they hurled their insult to him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That Peter would say that, that Jesus didn't resist his own arrest, but I sort of resisted his arrest for him. That Jesus just trusted his heavenly father. And even though Peter didn't understand it at the time, and actually Peter would eventually run away, Peter says, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. That Peter would say, he carried my sin. I was there when he did it. And again, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, uh, In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That I actually had conversations with Jesus who gave that to us. And I'm about to die not just because of what I believe, but because of what I saw and experienced. Now, now back to us for a moment. Like many times when we read the Bible, we sort of miss the overarching story. We like the individual stories of Jesus that sort of help us apply his message to our lives uh, inspire us or sort of give us direction. We like the prodigal son, God forgiving us when we wander away and then we wander back to him. Uh, we like the feeding of the 5,000 that God can provide and use our little bits to help. Um, those aren't bad stories, but those are really just illustrations that point to the big idea of the message of Jesus. And those stories are sort of like puzzle pieces that fit together to form a bigger picture. Now, I'm not sure uh, how many of you do puzzles, but I've done my fair share of puzzles as I grew up with my grandparents, uh, and occasionally I've done them when I was an adult. 
but I constantly like to have the puzzle box lid nearby to look at where the pieces could possibly fit together. And, and Peter's account is almost like he's holding up the puzzle box lid to say, when I'm finished with my account of Jesus' life, this is what it's going to look like. This is the context for everything that follows. That if someone would have asked me as a kid, what is the big idea of the good news of Christianity? I would have probably said something like, Jesus died for my sin. If I put my faith in him, then I get to go to heaven when I die. And until then, well, I guess I'm just supposed to be good. And if I told that to Peter, I think it would have been a little confusing for him. Like, yes, this, is, this good news is personal. Uh, yes, there's an eternal component. But there's also something in the here and the now. And you can live every day with this assurance that God is near. A few verses later, Peter tells us through Mark in verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And this is where we can get confused about what is God's good news. Uh, we might all give a similar answer to what I would say. Jesus died for my sin. If I put my faith in him, then I go to heaven when I die. And until then, I'm supposed to be good. But that wasn't Jesus' message at this point because Jesus hadn't died yet, and Jesus hadn't risen from the dead yet either, obviously. In fact, the death and the resurrection of Jesus sort of just punctuated what Jesus taught before that, and the good news that he brought, which was to impact our lives on earth because God is near. And this is what Peter heard Jesus teach over and over and over again. Verse 15, the time has come, Jesus said. And the world really had been waiting on this, and everything in the world pointed to this moment in time, and what was about to happen. That everything before this was preparation and sort of a hint, a foreshadowing, a, a sign pointing to this moment. And the time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. And the kingdom of God really was God's rule. That the kingdom of God is near because the king is near. Wherever the king goes, the kingdom goes with him. And on this point, Peter and the rest of the followers, they probably didn't know what Jesus was talking about. Because the Roman Empire was here. And the people would sort of initially see this through their political and their national lenses, the way they saw the world. And the nation of Israel hadn't been free for hundreds of years, so how could the kingdom of God come now? And the people likely either didn't know what Jesus was talking about when he said the kingdom of God is near, or they would have been expecting something quite different than what Jesus was talking about. That Jesus wasn't talking about a future event to hope for. Jesus was saying the future is now. This is the fulfillment of many prophecies and promises. However, this is a kingdom without any borders. This is a kingdom without a common language. This is a kingdom of heart and conscience formed by the teachings of the king who had come to reverse the order of everything. And Peter will tell us later that the disciples, would, they would sort of listen to Jesus teach and then they would think like, surely don't, you don't mean that, Jesus. Uh, they would leave the crowds and ask Jesus to explain that again. They would say, did we hear you right? That throughout their time with Jesus, they had a hard time understanding Jesus for the same reason we have a hard time. They grew up with one understanding of authority and what a kingdom was about. And now Jesus was sort of introducing the kingdom of God and the ideas were so different. That Jesus was a different type of king introducing a different type of kingdom. A kingdom that is now because the king is here and also is yet to still come because the king will come again. And these pieces of the kingdom puzzle would somehow include the death of the king. The death of the king who came to give his life for his subjects instead of requiring his subjects to give their life for him. 
We miss this, but the arrival of Jesus was also the arrival of a brand new age, a brand new era. The old was passing away and something new had come. And it would culminate with a brand new covenant, a new arrangement between God and all of humanity. The shocking thing, though, for Peter and the disciples was when that Jesus sort of introduced this new covenant, Jesus didn't say it was a new covenant between God and Israel. Jesus said this is a new covenant between God and all people. That throughout Peter's time with Jesus, Peter saw Jesus continue to open the gates of this new kingdom and invite all kinds of people to participate. The problem for most of us, though, is that the way to participate can seem a bit exclusive because it means sort of surrendering our way for God's way. Uh, along with that, the timing can be misunderstood a little bit, that, that you think you have to do these things right away to participate. However, as many of you have probably experienced, and to be honest, Peter and the rest of the first Jesus followers experienced, you don't necessarily have to do these things right away altogether. Often it takes time and following Jesus for some length of time first. Verse 15, the time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And when we hear the word repent, we might imagine a prophet or a preacher sort of calling down or calling for the people to, to turn away from their sin or else. And, and then the prophet's sort of trying to get lightning to come down from the heavens. Repent can mean turn away from our sin, but at this point, that doesn't seem to be the point of Jesus' message. That was John the Baptist's message to get ready for Jesus. When Jesus said repent, though, he likely was inviting people to sort of change the way they were thinking or sort of turn in a different direction. He wanted them to turn in the direction of a kingdom with a different type of king that was being established on earth as it is in heaven. And you and I have been invited to participate in that kingdom. But you might miss it if, you're, if your thinking doesn't change. Now, this is a huge idea that we'll discuss more, but one of the points from this being when you surrender your way to God's way, you're not far from the kingdom of God. That to not miss it, you have to embrace this radical new way of viewing the world. You have to embrace this radical new way of viewing yourself and others. You have to embrace this radical new way of experiencing the presence of God. Because the kingdom of God is near and you're not far. And that is what we're going to talk about these next several weeks. And then when Jesus said, believe the good news, he meant to trust and submit yourself to the new worldview and the rules of the kingdom of God. The good news that everyone is invited to participate, which became abundantly clear during Peter's time with Jesus, as well as the rest of the disciples. And then Peter sort of gives Mark, who wrote down this story, uh, this idea of when Peter first met Jesus the very first time. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, Follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And when Jesus invited Peter to follow him, he dropped his nets and followed uh, eventually because Peter knew that there was more to the story and Luke actually captures some of those details that Peter doesn't include. But again, Peter's sort of like Shang from Mulan, like, let's get down to business. Verse 19, continuing on. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Like, we have heard the teaching like all of our lives, but when Jesus stood up to teach, it was like we were hearing it for the very first time. That Jesus had this new type of authority and teaching. 
And the arrival of Jesus was good news to the people who felt far from God, to the people who needed some good news. And while Jesus' arrival was good news for everyone, it didn't seem like good news to everyone. It didn't seem like good news to those who wanted their way. It didn't seem like good news to those who were currently in authority and power because, well, a new king, like, what does that do to us, right? It didn't seem like good news to those who liked the status quo. And it didn't seem like good news to those who kept other people down and out. So, if your version of Christianity is not good news for everyone, if your version of Christianity is not good news for those without power or authority, if your version of Christianity was not good news and so you left it behind, maybe you should consider repenting, sort of changing your thinking and and believing and trusting the good news that God is near and he is coming to bring his kingdom to earth. Because the reason that Peter would say this is such good news is because God came near, which means you're never far. That God came near to establish something here and now and into the future. And if you recognize it or not, you feel it or not, you are not far. And if you have doubts, you are in great company because Peter had doubts as well. And his doubts were sort of made public in this gospel story. And if you've walked away, you need to know that Peter walked away as well. And then he would experience the mercy of the king when he came back. Verse 15, the time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So will we be open enough to explore? Will we be willing to sort of turn in his direction and believe or trust the good news? Will we be willing to surrender our way to God's kingdom way? If so, everything changes. Because when you surrender your way to God's way, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for this new kingdom that he came to establish that really is is good news for everyone. But maybe for some of us, we resist it. We're hesitant to it because we want to hold on to our way. We, We don't want to give other people power. We don't want to, whatever the reason might be. Would you help all of us today, right now, to take a moment to examine our hearts, to let you examine our hearts? that we would be willing to repent and sort of change the direction a little bit, even if it's just a slight change. Maybe it's a huge change. Maybe it's a 180-degree change. But would you help us to change the direction of our lives? Would you help us to be willing to let you do that in our lives? And then, God, would you help us to believe and trust that you are near, that you are bringing good news for everyone? Would you help us in this area of our lives? Would you help us to be part of bringing your kingdom here on earth? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.